This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website. Amazon's been in the news a lot lately for its search for a second headquarters and its new cashierless convenience store, Amazon Go. But today we're going to talk about the behind-the-scenes story of Amazon. With us is Wharton Professor of Business Economics and Public Policy, Katia Zaim. Katia, thanks for being with us. Sure, happy to do so. And your research is about Amazon's distribution network. First of all, could you talk a little bit about what a fulfillment center is and why this is important? Um, sure. But what we look at in the paper is how Amazon's distribution has changed over time. And uh, in in online retail markets, uh, just like in offline retail markets, uh, the company uses uh, typically one or multiple distribution centers, which in Amazon's case would be called fulfillment centers. Um, they come in multiple types. Some might be specialized and carry high value items. Some might carry groceries. Uh, we are interested primarily in general merchandise fulfillment centers, uh, which Amazon today has placed all over the country. And what we're interested in is how this diffusion of distribution has uh, might have helped Amazon in uh, trying to reach more customers and has helped it on the cost side. Now, Amazon's fulfillment network has grown pretty dramatically over the years. And that comes with an important trade-off that you talk about in your paper. Yeah, what we were interested in uh, looking at is how they make uh, choices for where to put fulfillment centers. And you might think that there's general demand conditions. I might want to be near a big city with a lot of demand, especially if those people value things like same-day distribution. Um, but on the other hand, uh, what we uh, look at in the paper in terms of a, a trade-off is in the early days of online retail, not so much today, um, where you put your distribution uh, center network also determined whether you would charge your consumer sales tax. And uh, we wanted to look at uh, to what extent differences in sales tax across local markets drive uh, where Amazon might have placed distribution centers, at least initially. Um, today, that's less of, a, of a, an issue, but at least initially, you might think that um, I have a trade-off in that I want to be close to a big population center, and that helps me save on uh, distribution costs, helps maybe me in attracting more consumers if they value consume, uh, convenience of getting a package quickly. Uh, but it might also have downsides if... Um, sales taxes in those locations are high. And as a result, the consumer ends up paying tax inclusive a higher price for getting my uh, products because I've now chosen to to have a distribution center in the in the location. And so part of that was uh, driven just purely by the fact that online retailers are treated differently uh, from offline retailers and how they uh, from a legal perspective, have to report and collect sales tax from their uh, consumers. Uh, most of uh, them, up until uh, uh, recent developments that um, challenged those, those laws, had to uh, only collect sales tax from their consumers in locations where they had a physical presence. And a distribution center would be qualified as a physical presence. And in locations where they don't have a physical presence, the consumer, um, her or himself, is supposed to pay use taxes instead of sales taxes uh, directly as part of their annual tax filing to the state. 
Um, and as you might imagine, the vast majority of consumers don't do that. Right. And so as a result, um, you know, if Amazon entered with a distribution center into a new state that has high sales taxes, that is effectively as though consumers experience a price increase. So how did you analyze the impact of what happened as Amazon was growing this fulfillment center network? Um, so what we did is we uh, used data on uh, consumer purchases at Amazon and other online uh, retailers, as well as uh, just spending at offline retailers to try and look at um, how demand evolved over time and uh, how that demand related to the fulfillment center network that's available to or that's around you at the time when you make a purchase. And that allowed us to look at um, how demand responds maybe to the presence of a fulfillment center. So do we see a spike in demand in an area where we have same-day uh, shopping as it is introduced? Um, and it also allows me to uh, get a proxy for if I know demand and I know how many packages are shipped from a particular fulfillment center to the consumer, I can get a sense of what the, uh, the uh, shipping cost might be for doing that. And I can compare that to what shipping cost might have been had they chosen a different location. And in choosing a different location, you would then say, you know, that might have the same kind of demand effects and being closer to a different set of consumers who may look different from the ones you're serving now. And it might similarly have uh, different uh, shipping implications in that you're now serving a different set of consumers from a further distance. And so sort of these comparisons of moving a, ship, a distribution center to a different location relative to what they actually chose to do give us a sense of how valuable that location must have been uh, for them to have wanted to choose it. And so that's how we try and get a handle on, you know, what might be cost savings from having a less um, centralized distribution network. And uh, given that Amazon is so much larger than most of its other online competitors, it also gives us a sense of just the economies of density that come with size. Um, we understand that pretty well in uh, brick and mortar retail markets, if you think about Walmart compared to other local competitors. Uh, but we didn't think there was that much evidence on the importance of those types of uh, scale advantages in the in the online market. And, you know, especially recently, I think there's been uh, increasing evidence about concentration and growth by Amazon. And most of that has been uh, attributed to um uh, you know, sort of quality effects that Amazon brings in terms of same-day shipping and by assortment. But we wanted to look at whether they also, because of their size, have been able to maybe generate cost savings, which similarly give it a competitive advantage to relative to its competition. So I mean, Amazon's convenience, its shipping speed, it's really Amazon's product because they don't actually make the products that they sell. So what did you find was the impact of this fulfillment center growth on Amazon's profits and on customers? Yeah, so what we uh, did to try and answer that question, we were really interested on the cost side, uh, more so than these um, consumer benefits, maybe. And so what we uh, tried to do was uh, to project out what Amazon's shipping cost might have been had they not chosen to expand their shipping center network, distribution center network, but instead stuck with where they had their initial um, fulfillment centers. And so we did a back-of-the-envelope calculation of what shipping cost would have been from serving all of the new demand from the original set of locations compared to where they are today. 
and uh, use that to then uh, think about you know how much might their margin have increased purely because of uh, because of the distribution center. Uh, growth and the cost savings that come with that, um, and we find pretty significant increases from uh, in, in in profitability. It's just purely due to the shipping cost savings, um, and we we thought that was interesting uh, as a complement to the direction of definitely the press, but also some academic studies that have mostly tried to focus on these demand side benefits to being with a retailer like Amazon. You're listening to the Knowledge of Wharton podcast. We're with Wharton's Katia Zaim, and we're talking about her research about Amazon's Fulfillment Center network. Now, Amazon, I mean, they grew really significantly in this area over time. But do you feel like they reach a point of diminishing returns? That's a good question. It's something we can't answer very well with with the data we have access to, um, because our data just tells us, you know, very high level statistics on the distribution center network. I think you'd need to be with Amazon to get get more uh, detailed data on that. But I think what you might be interested in in uh, answering is just purely this big fixed cost to operating this uh, distribution center network. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, rolling out additional uh, distribution centers seems to be unlikely to generate the same kind of economies of density to, or at least sufficient ones to offset the, the fixed costs that come with it as well. Um, the the other thing that uh, I think we can't speak to very very well is um, Amazon's recent efforts at, at expanding its distribution center network have mostly been geared towards entering new metropolitan areas to be able to offer same day shipping, and you might think about uh, some of the. Um, uh, effects of the Whole Foods acquisition in a in a similar context, and so uh, you know those are those are expansions of the fulfillment center network that aren't necessarily geared at purely cost savings on trans on distribution, but they're geared at making a different product for the consumer. Um, and so there, I think you'd really want to think about both the consumer benefits and possibly the the distribution side uh, jointly. And we don't quite have enough information to be able to do that in our data. And they have really tried, I mean, in addition to expanding this fulfillment center network, which, like you said, has a really big fixed cost. They've also done a lot of expansion of their distribution network of things that maybe don't, like Amazon lockers right. or other things like that. Right. Yes, I know. I, I think that's ex- and and that in some ways suggests the f- the fixed costs have to be substantial, um, because otherwise, I think uh, especially on the return side, getting it back through the distribution center and then back through to the the uh, original manufacturer, I think that's quite uh, costly for them, and that suggests that there might be other ways that they can do to partner with retailers or like here on the Penn campus uh, to target directly high demand locations where you can streamline that more easily than with a big fulfillment center. When you think about maybe in the future, you can go to Whole Foods and take exactly. back your Amazon purchase. Exactly. So I think that that to me seems like a likely development for sure, um, especially given you know the match i think between the demographics of the whole food, food shopper and the ma- and the demographics of a high frequency amazon prime member for example that seems like a very useful um use of space i think for them now where do you think the hq2 decision or the decision to build an hq2 how does that fit into amazon's distribution <laughs> efforts is that part of it or no 
I don't know. I don't have a very clear sense on that. To to me, that uh, seemed to be maybe about developing local expertise, but also about tapping into different labor markets. Um, And most of that isn't necessarily quite, I think, related to distribution, uh, where the typical labor force uh, just doesn't quite, I think, require those skills. Um, and so I, I, I would guess that it's helpful um, in terms of optimizing very locally. And if you look at the, the types of uh, cities that, that were in the running, um, I think that seems to be uh, true in part. But I think a lot of it is also just trying to tap into managerial talent in different localities beyond the, just the Seattle market. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Amazon is such a giant in this space, in retail, in e-commerce. Do you feel like, though, that there are lessons here for other retailers in terms of distribution and supply chains? Um, I I think so. In particular, it suggests that the big other competitor they, they have in online is, is Walmart. And one reason why they've been, I think, relatively successful, even though by no means quite as successful, is because they have a similar already established uh, distribution uh, center network that allows them to you know, similarly get to consumers quickly. They could, in principle, try to also integrate stores and online better. Um, and, and I think a lot of what we find would apply similarly to large chains like that that try to enter the online market. Where I think it's maybe less applicable, but what was interesting to us was to try and think about what that might mean for smaller online retailers. And I think a lot of the original Walmart debate was about what it does to localities and, you know, mom and pop stores in the in the area. And, you know, in, in many ways, sort of these recent developments mirror some of those patterns in online markets now as well. Um, and so I don't, I wouldn't say necessarily that there's many lessons uh, to be drawn for the, the smaller retailer, but I think it's just one explanation for why we increasingly find smaller retailers uh, struggling to compete against a company like Amazon. Right. I mean, you mentioned this in the paper that we thought that e-commerce might be the space for the little guy, right? but it looks like it might not be. Right. No, I, I totally agree. We initially were motivated by it because I think in the early days of online commerce, a lot of people pointed to the benefits of much easier comparison shopping. You could check prices in a price uh, price engine. And you would think that that would make markets much more competitive. Um, but I think increasingly people are locked into, uh, you know, they. I think the statistics show that everybody first goes to Amazon to look at the products and what, what is available um, and doesn't necessarily then get diverted anymore to a smaller, smaller online retailer. And so I think there's a lot um, of uh, that is just driven by size and and assortment variety, which, um, you know, I think it's just hard to, to compete with as a, as a small company. Now, we have time for one last question. What's next for this, with this research? Um, what we're interested in, in looking uh, at right now is uh, maybe how that interacts a little more with uh, offline markets. And in particular, uh, we've started looking at what the labor market implications are of a fulfillment center opening in a particular location. And there's pretty good data that uh, looks at you know what, what happens to employment in a particular area as a fulfillment center enters. And so we wanted to think about you know how that might trade off with the demise, really, of, of offline retail markets and brick-and-mortar stores, where 
where we see employment falling pretty quickly and pretty dramatically. And think about sort of, you know, can we somehow uh, compare these two and, and see whether uh, there's positive effects also of online markets increasing so quickly. Katia, thanks very much so much for being with us today. Thanks. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's coverage of Amazon and lots of other companies on our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find all of our podcasts on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really does help people find the show. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.